Having recently taken out my Keystone Bull on an extended trip, I've learned some new things from traveling with a larger trailer that I now plan to apply when using my smaller and lighter R-Pod. In this episode, I'll share five lessons learned on how to integrate them into using an R-Pod going forward. Hey everybody, this is John Marucci. Thanks for visiting the On The Road YouTube channel. This channel is all about helping you get the most out of your RV travel experience. Before we get going, welcome to the channel. If you're new here, remember to subscribe and hit the bell icon to be notified when new videos are published. If you want to dive deeper, we put more content and photos on Instagram and Twitter at John Marucci. So let's go ahead and jump in. So before we get going, here's a bit of my story. You know, I didn't even grow up camping at all. I mean, the most I had was a small pup tent in the backyard. But when I was an adult, I actually started camping with just a little tent and a sleeping bag. Eventually, I graduated up to a larger tent. Now, this is a pretty big tent. And over time, I then added some amenities like a refrigerator, folding table, and some chairs, etc. It really wasn't until 2016, in the spring, that I purchased my first RV. And as many of you know, that was a 2016 R-Pod 171. And I really enjoyed that and had it for just about a year before I sold it. The main reason I sold it was because I wanted to upgrade to a larger trailer so I could do more working remotely from the travel trailer. And that's when I purchased my R-Pod 179 in 2017. So since I started RVing with a smaller R-Pod, I didn't have the advantage of knowing some of the tips that those with larger RVs probably already know. It was easy to continue in many of the same practices used prior to owning the R-Pod. It really wasn't until I got out with my larger Keystone Bullet that I noticed some things to change with the R-Pod because of having the larger trailer. The five lessons learned that I'm about to share are all about making it more enjoyable when taking out your R-Pod or any smaller trailer. So let's go ahead and jump in. The first lesson learned is that of using towing mirrors versus standard mirrors. So for the R-Pod, for example, I just used the standard mirrors that came with the car. On my Honda Pilot and on the Toyota Tundra at first, all I used were the mirrors that came with the vehicles, and it worked okay because the, you know, the R-Pod really isn't that wide, and so you can see back and alongside it pretty good with the standard mirrors. Now, when I got the Keystone Bullet, I went ahead and added the towing mirrors. Now, these are trail ridge mirrors that I put on the Toyota Tundra. Remember, the Bullet's much wider than the R-Pod, so it's fairly essential to get towing mirrors. Pretty much a must-have when you're towing a bigger trailer. Some of the advantages of a towing mirror is that it enhances rear visibility. You can actually see a lot better behind the trailer. It's actually a larger mirror surface as well, and it includes a blind spot mirror, so you can see the blind spots from your vehicle. So really nice to have. Obviously, there's some disadvantages to towing mirrors. First of all, it's added cost. The mirrors aren't cheap. And for my garage, when I pull my truck in, I have to fold the mirrors in first before I go in, so it's a little bit of a hassle each time I go into the garage. The other thing about towing mirrors to be aware of if you decide to go this route is that they do reduce forward and forward sideways visibility, so they're rather large and they can get in the way of your visibility a little bit. So here's the lesson learned. You know, the R-Pod may not need towing mirrors, but they sure make for a better experience when towing, in my opinion. Much more visibility behind the trailer is really important. The blind spot mirror is also a great safety feature to have, so for me, I'm never going to go back. I mean, I'll use towing mirrors on any trailer I tow, R-Pod or Bullet or anything that I have going forward. It's just that much better. So let's look at the second lesson learned, and that is using truck fueling centers versus regular gas stations. 
Now for the R-Pod, it just wasn't difficult to pull into a regular gas station to fuel up. Obviously, you had to be a little careful about how to angle in and where you're going to go. But generally, it just wasn't a problem when you're traveling on long trips to find a gas station to pull into and get gas. Now, when I moved up to the Bullet on this last trip, I basically had to go to truck fueling centers. So things like Loves or TA or Pilot on the road to get gas for the truck when I'm towing the Bullet. So it's important to know that there's a difference when you're towing a larger trailer, your opportunities to get gas are a little more limited. Now, some of the advantages to using a truck fueling center, it's just usually really easy in and out access. If you think about a, a truck stop, and I'm not talking about an old kind of truck stop that you're thinking about from the 50s, 60s, or 70s. The new truck stops are really nice, by the way, most of the ones that I've been into. But it makes for very easy in and out. They're very large, so it's easy to get in and out of the truck stops. Usually they're near interstates or major highways, so they're very accessible. And they're designed for bigger trucks. And because of that, it's really, there's a lot of space basically to maneuver around. There's usually also a retail side and a professional side. So it isn't like when you're going to a truck stop that you have to you know, go right behind a semi. Basically, you're gonna go on the retail side and get gas. There's still really large areas to get gas. And the trucks are usually on the professional side of the truck stop. But it is like a gas station. You can get gas, you can get food. There's good restrooms. And there's a lot of extra services at a truck stop. Many times you can fill a propane tank. Sometimes they have a dump station. Uh, usually a much larger parking lot with spaces. Uh, you can make meals when you're there and get good rest because you can usually pull into a larger area to just take a break and make a meal and just get some rest while you're on the road. Now there are disadvantages to truck stops. The first thing is it's kind of difficult to find them when you're not on a major highway. These major truck stops are around larger highways and throughways and not usually on back roads. Now, the other thing that you may not like about truck stops is there's going to be semis and big trucks all around you. So you got to kind of be careful when you're driving in a truck stop that you're aware of the larger trucks moving around you. So the lesson learned here is an R-Pod may not need to use truck stops when you're towing it, but generally they're better all around in my opinion. And that's one of the things I'm going to change going forward. There's just more space and more services and better amenities. So for me going forward, when I'm taking my R-Pod on longer trips, I'll probably be stopping at truck stops. Okay, the third lesson learned is the difference between interstate rest stops and big box stores. Now, let me give you a little background here. When I've gone on long trips to the R-Pod, I've almost made it a habit of going to big box stores, things like Walmarts or Targets or Home Depots, to take a break. So I'd get off the interstate and find a Walmart or a Target and park there, maybe walk around the Walmart and come back to the, uh, the vehicle, the tow vehicle in the R-Pod and take off again. And, you know, it does give you a place to walk around and maybe get some food, and it's not too hard to park, and there's a lot of locations. But, you know, with the Bullet, I basically came down to the fact that, you know, it's difficult to take the Bullet in a little larger trailer and go off the interstate, usually, you know, a mile or so, half a mile off the interstate, to find a big box store. So I decided to take a little different tack this time and went to interstate rest stops more often. Now, the advantages here or that it's really easy to get in and out. You're not going and searching for a Walmart that's in a busy cross-section of town and you're fighting other traffic to get in the parking lot of a Walmart. Instead, it's really easy to get in and out of a, you know, a rest stop on the interstate. Generally, you know, there's a lot of space to park. There's usually a truck area, a car area, and even a trailer area that you can go park. So I've very rarely had problems finding space when I'm at an interstate rest area to stop and uh, take a break. They're relatively clean. Often there's places to walk yourself and or your pets. 
Sometimes they have food options that you can, you know, if, if not vending machines, you can stop and make your own lunch or whatnot when you're stopped at the uh, interstate rest area. There's some extras too. In some states, it's pretty interesting. Georgia must have just gone through a, a pretty decent upgrade to their rest areas because now some of them have dump stations where you can just dump your tanks when you need to. I know in Ohio, they actually have places that you can overnight park with your RV with electrical hookups and even have some restaurants on site. Some of the disadvantages of using the interstate rest stops is maybe a little less place to stretch and exercise versus a big box store, especially if the weather's bad. And there's no real opportunity for groceries like you can if you stop at say a Walmart, Target, or some other place. So here's the lesson learned. I find that the interstate rest stops are actually easier to use and there's a lot less hassle. You don't have to maneuver through traffic in a small or large town to find a big box store to go park. Uh, usually, uh, you know, you're more isolated and you can make yourself better meals on the road than buying either fast food or something in one of the stores. So for me, next time I take my RPOD on a long trip, I'm probably going to stick to rest stops on the interstate. So the fourth lesson learned is about using the refrigerator on propane versus battery. So with the RPOD, I almost exclusively used battery power to keep the refrigerator cool. I didn't even think about using propane. First of all, I didn't want to use my propane up. And secondly, it seemed to work pretty good to keep the refrigerator cold when you're doing several hours in the RPOD, uh, towing the RPOD on the interstate. It just wasn't a problem. Now with the Bullet, the refrigerator didn't have a battery option, so I either had to use nothing or propane. So what I did was I used propane and it actually worked extremely well to keep the refrigerator cold. So some of the advantages of using propane was it actually kept the food colder. And it actually wasn't as bad as you might think as in terms of using propane up. It just didn't use that much to keep the refrigerator cold. The disadvantages, obviously, are that there's travel restrictions and laws about using propane. You know, and be aware of this. If you're going to use propane to keep your refrigerator cold, you're not supposed to keep that on in tunnels, at gas stations, and even some other places you need to become familiar with. There's also obviously a cost to using propane to keep your refrigerator cold. You're going to run through your propane. Now again, I didn't find that that was too onerous, but you will use some propane up down the road when you're keeping your refrigerator cold. So the lesson learned for me is I really like the results of using propane versus battery from the R-Pod, so I'm going to try it again. I'm actually going to probably use propane going forward, at least test it a little bit more on the R-Pod and see how it comes out. I do like keeping my food colder. One of the concerns, obviously, is that you only have one tank of propane if you have an upgrade in some way with the R-Pod. So if that's the case, you probably don't want to go through your propane too much, but I don't think it takes that much, so I'm probably going to still try it next time I'm out. Now, a quick note, uh, this is a debated subject that you need to study for yourself and know the risks and the laws and regulations around using propane, so make sure you do your homework. So here's a quick bonus tip. We use a wireless thermometer when traveling to keep track of temperatures. You know, if you do this, you're going to put an indicator in the freezer and the refrigerator and then keep the unit, the actual thermometer, in a place that you can check easily when you pull over. And that'll really keep you on top of the temperatures in your unit as you're traveling. Okay, let's look at the fifth and final lesson learned, and that is power awning versus visor. Now, with the R-Pod, I have a Pahaki trailer visor, which has worked really well. With the Bullet, I have a power awning, which has worked really well, too. Now, the advantages of a power awning is it's quicker to set up, it's easy to pull in, 
and there's a safety around weather, so it's, it's a quicker thing to take care of if you have a wind storm coming up or some sort of weather issue. There are some disadvantages to having an awning. It's obviously more expensive and difficult to replace if it's damaged. You also need to clean it regularly from sap, pollen, sticks, etc. So there is some cleaning uh, requirements around owning and using an awning. Now the lesson learned here about the awning is if I get a new R-Pod at some point, I'm probably going to get a power awning because I like it that much. It's much easier to deal with, especially if you're woken up in the middle of the night to some sort of loud wind or something going on outside the, the unit and you need to pull that awning in. If you have a visor out, that's a real chore to get out in the wind and take care of that, but the power awning is easy to deal with. So it's just that much easier to deal with. It takes a lot of stress out of the equation of using an awning or a cover of some sort. Okay. So if you've used both larger and smaller trailers, what are some things you'd incorporate into using a smaller trailer from your experience towing a larger one? I want you to feel free to comment below with your experience. If you like this video, give it a thumbs up and share it. Thanks for watching. Stay safe. This is John Marucci and so long for now.